This episode is part of the pool's Local Officials Stronger Together podcast series. It's one way we serve local officials through integrity, public service, fiscal responsibility, and operational excellence. As always, please direct specific questions about coverage to your risk management advisor. Welcome to episode 9C in the Risk Pool's Stronger Together podcast series. I'm your host, Scott Houston. Today's episode will break one of the cardinal rules of the STP podcast. That rule is that our episodes have never been longer than 15 minutes. But today's subject is so important, we're going to go for about half an hour. Today, I'm interviewing Jessica Rogers, assistant city manager in the city of Tomball, about a cyber attack on her city that happened over a year ago, and they're still recovering from that attack. The first 10-minute segment is Jessica explaining what happened to the city. I'd encourage you to listen to that part, but if you want to skip to her top five things a city manager should know about a cyber attack, you can fast forward to about 13 minutes in for that part. I usually give a fairly comprehensive background narrative on the subject of each podcast, but I think that Jessica's interview is so compelling in this case that I'm not going to do that. All I will say is this, we at the risk pool have seen exponential increases in cyber claims and a recent report by the Center for Internet Security confirms that that's not an anomaly. I've linked to that report below the podcast. It found that government organizations across the board saw increases in cyber attacks, such as malware attacks, including a 148% increase in cyber attacks involving remote access Trojans, a 27% increase in crypto miners, and a 35% increase in info stealers. Ransomware incidents went up 51% from 2022 to 2023. And security incidents detected by CIS Endpoint Security Services went up 313%. So this is a big deal, and we all need to be thinking about it. Let's start with Jessica telling us about Tom Ball's attack. One thing before we start is that I'll mention this. We won't talk about exactly how they got up and running again because we don't want to give criminals a blueprint for future attacks. I'm now joined by Jessica Rogers, who's an assistant city manager in the city of Tomball. And Jessica is going to talk to us today about a cyber attack that the city of Tomball has suffered through. The attack happened at the end of 2022, right, Jessica? And it was right. It was it was in December of that year, I think. And and you've, you're still actually recovering from it, if, if I remember you saying that correctly. There are still things yet that we're going through now more than, you know, a year later. That's crazy. So we, we, we don't want to give a roadmap to cyber criminals about how to attack the city. But can you just tell us kind of in a nutshell what happened? I mean, I'll say this. A lot of the things that we at the pool spend time doing are preventing uh, phishing attacks where an employee clicks on a link or enters information on a website that ultimately leads to a breach and then further attack. But yours wasn't like that. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened to y'all? On December 20th, uh, 2022. You know the exact date, right? (laughs) It seems like a lifetime ago at this point. 
we were notified that a number of our systems were kind of behaving a little weirdly. Our, our dispatchers, our public safety dispatchers, were about the only ones in the office in the kind of early morning hours. Our IT team got on site and started investigating what was going on. And we found a ransom note on our uh, on our computers. And with that kind of started what may be the longest few months of my life <laughs> and certainly the longest few months for a lot of our employees as we worked through what happened, what to do, how are we going to get everything back and restarted and get the city of Tomball back operational. Tell me what the, what does the ransom note actually look like? It's just a blank screen that says, pay me this money if you want your information. Uh, I mean, in a nutshell, yes. So there was a file uploaded to any of our machines that were connected to the network. So if you were like me and probably most city managers, I had taken my laptop home for the evening and so it wasn't connected to the city's network. But any of our, you know, core employees, for the most part, had their their computers, whether they were desktop or laptop connected to the network. Those machines all had a text file placed on their desktop that just said, read me, and you opened it up, and it was the the threat actor identifying themselves, telling you how to contact them, and kind of giving you the next steps of, of what was going to happen. What were the first steps that y'all took once you realized that essentially the whole network had been um, corrupted? Right. So our first step was sort of get get everything disconnected. So segregate the networks, turn them off, cut off any type of access. At that point, you don't know if, if the threat actor is still active in your system or what's happened. You know, that all comes later. So the first and foremost is every single machine, every server, turn it off. I, I mean, literally, in some cases, unplugging the cords, you know, that are going and connecting facilities. And, and so that's sort of what we we went around that morning and made sure everything was disconnected. And what would come later and what was important with that is everything was preserved as it was in that moment. So that way, when we did start doing a forensic investigation, we knew at that moment we had captured all of the data that that would help us kind of figure out what happened. And so did you do that pursuant to, did y'all have a written cybersecurity plan, uh, something that would tell you what to do in the case of an attack like this? We did not have a written cybersecurity response plan, which when we're talking about what I would say cities need to do, if, if you don't have one, get one. <laughs> and if you do not, have a if you do have one I would test it at that point we started operating under sort of our regular emergency protocols what if you know anything had happened if there was a a, a fire a, a hurricane any of those other emergency protocols that we had we started operating under those protocols Got it. It's like, just like you have an emergency management plan to to deal with disasters, you need to have one that's specific to cyber events so that you've got a playbook. Absolutely. And we, we had talked about with our IT team, really in the months leading up to it, we had no idea kind of the... <laughs> that this was going to happen, 
happened. But in the months leading, leading up to it, we were actually going through cybersecurity assessments. We were going through and looking at where we had those gaps in our policies and procedures. We were actively working on developing the procedures that we had no idea that we were going to need a month down the road. And so when I say we didn't have one, we didn't have a final one right. in place. We were still working and developing and, and it had been a big topic of conversation for our council and for our staff really in the preceding year leading up to this attack. And so you guys were hit by this cyber attack. And, and again, just to make the point clear, I think I'm right, that this wasn't something that an employee had clicked on the wrong link. It was something that was an actual hack into your system. So what we discovered about our attack is going through the forensic process, there was never an identified patient zero. There was never an identified this employee clicked on a link. It was a phishing attack. In doing our research about the uh, the ransomware group that attacked us, and the Royal Ransomware Group is, is the group that attacked us, we found that while the vast majority of their attacks are those phishing attacks, so do be prepared for those, that we kind of couldn't see anything that indicated that was our type of attack. About a third of their attacks come from other means, sometimes through software vulnerabilities and public-facing applications, through third-party sources, through remote desktop protocols, and and that sort of we we believe that we're in that other third group because we were never able to identify a a, a clear phishing source. All this stuff terrifies me, and I think it should, again, terrify those who are listening. But you were basically a brand new employee, a pretty new employee of the city, as well as a pretty new assistant city manager. Is that that's right? About You started about eight months before that, you said? Uh, I had been with the city just over a year. Uh-huh. Um, and, and yeah, it was my first assistant city manager role. And um, it's a... It's a definite learning experience because I had to learn, there was no grace period. I had to learn every city operation, every city process, and how to perform every process manually because of this. And I'm just so I'm just so impressed by that because, first of all, you were relatively new to the city. You're relatively new to that type of role. And yet, basically city management just said, here, figure this out. And you basically had to figure this out on the job at the time in the moment it was a a divide and conquer um experience so the city manager and i each kind of have our areas of expertise he is an engineer he's come up through public work so he was really able to focus on those areas i have a background in finance and economic development and and communication so i was able to focus on on those areas but we really worked together to just say, we've got to, you know, we've, we've got to step in, we've got to help, we've got to get these processes reestablished and recreated and help our teams wherever we can. I will also say that we are incredibly fortunate in the city of Tomball. We have some very long tenured employees that stepped up. They stayed nights, weekends, they didn't go on vacations with us here at at our facilities helping get everything restored and and back up very quickly. 
Wow. Well, I'm going to put, you wrote an article for the City Management Association uh, Messenger, which is their electronic newsletter. I'm going to put a link to that article below the podcast so people can read a little bit more about the details of kind of what you went through in that period. I mean, this is just so fascinating. We could talk, I mean, I could talk about this with you forever. And I think everyone who was listening would be uh, enthralled with it. I really do because everyone should be aware of all this, but I think we'll have to leave that as kind of the background, which is, I know it's really brief, but I think it gives people a flavor kind of, of, of what y'all went through. And so I think when we come back from the break, I'd like to ask you some specific things like the top issues or top things that a city manager or or really any city official should know or do to prepare for something like this happening to them or maybe to help stop something like this happening to them. So let's talk about that when we come back. Okay, we're back. Now, this is, I think, the meat of the podcast today, Jessica. Tell me, let's just start with number one. What do you think the number one thing is that a city manager or other city officials should be aware of in regards to this type of cyber attack? My number one that I tell everyone is this can happen to any city, any agency, any school district at any time. And so you have to be prepared. And our experience with this, the city of Tomball has a population of about 12,000 people. We were hit December 2022. The city of Dallas, 1.3 million people. We were hit, they were hit about six months after us by the same organization. So this spans the sort of geography, size of, of agencies, of communities. This is something that's very real for everyone. Okay, that I think that's the main thing. It it can happen to you. Now that we know that, and hopefully that sinks in with the folks who are listening, tell me about your next big issue that they should be aware of. I think for me, the most important thing that I can share outside of that is get comfortable being uncomfortable. City managers came up sort of the traditional pathways into their positions finance, budget, public works, capital projects, those things that we talk about regularly in terms of city operations. Not a lot from the IT world. That is not sort of an experience that a lot of us get, but it's so critical and so important as managers that we take the time to learn about our IT operations, to ask questions, to invest your time and resources and energy in getting that education, participating in cybersecurity planning, participating in those expectation settings and those policy setting um, meetings and, and conversations with your IT staff. Because the more emphasis that the, the leadership of organizations put on cybersecurity and protecting information, the better the organization will be. I think that's amazing. And there's there's a, 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 a thing that I've said in other podcasts that's sort of apropos here that uh, a city attorney that I know named Alan Borquez came up with. And it was years ago. And it was 
when one of his clients was kind of lamenting the fact that they had to respond to a, a bunch of Public Information Act requests, and he said, just like you're in the streets, utilities, public safety, economic development business, you're also just as much in the information business. That's part of what you do. And I think the same thing applies here, that in, in addition to all those things that you mentioned that, that cities typically do, you're also in the business of IT and everybody's got to be aware of how that operates. And I think uh, in the action items at the end of this episode, I'll talk a little bit about how the risk pool can help its members with some of the things that you've talked about. That's the second thing. What about number three? Number three is one that I know is a challenge for a lot of communities, and that's you have to make investments in cybersecurity. You have to make investments in your people. You have to make investments in the hardwares and the softwares that you do. Tomball is a small community. Our, our budget isn't, our IT budget isn't going to be as robust as some of the larger communities out there, but we have to still pay attention to this really significant vulnerability that can exist in our systems. And I know when it gets to budget time, I've been through enough budgets to know that there's never enough resources. I would encourage everyone to take a look at their IT budget, to take a look at what they're investing in cybersecurity preparedness, whether it's in, in people, hardware, or software that you have, and really explore if you are doing the appropriate level for your organization. That's that's great. That's it's very similar to the previous one, right? You, you're in the IT business, and you've really got to invest in it, even though your citizens may not see that as readily as they might see potholes getting fixed or more police or fire or EMS on the streets. It's just as important as those things. Okay, that's the third thing. What about? Do you get do you have two more? I can give you two more. Okay, let's. My, my number four might be pretty obvious. Have a specific cyber attack response plan. Like I said, we, we, we didn't have a specific plan for a ransomware attack. We have one now. We have one that, that we're able to work through and it is a work in progress, right? It's something that as technology changes and as the, the attacks get more sophisticated that we have to look at continuously, but have a cyber attack response plan. And that's not just on the IT side. Talk to your specific operational leaders, your directors, your managers, and have them actually go a, a day without technology. What would you do? What what processes can you do? What processes can you not do? And make sure that all of the employees across the board understand what the expectation would be if you ever find yourself in a situation where the technology isn't available. And one thing, when you and I talked a few weeks ago about doing this podcast, you mentioned that once the attack happened and all that was shut down, you knew that you needed to call the risk pool because you had cyber coverage through us, but you didn't even know where to find the phone number. You had to go look it up in a book somewhere and find it because everybody relies on their computers. We did, and we didn't have internet, so... Everyone's like, you should Google it. Well, we did on our phones to make sure we had the general number. But yeah, we had to go pull out a paper policy document for for, for the risk pool. And, and that's the phone number we called. That's awesome. Yeah. So we know that that's a, an important one to have that plan. And we tend to push that in most of the things that we send out as well. Let's wrap up then with the, the fifth thing, the top, the fifth top thing that uh, city officials should know. I would say breathe, take a breath, 
stop. Take care of yourself. Take care of your people. Cyber attacks, whether it's a ransomware attack or some other type of attack, can be very prolonged. And your people are going to be your number one resource. So you got to take care of them. You're probably not going to solve it on day one. So keep in mind that treat this like you would any other prolonged disaster attack and making sure that you're giving people time and space and breaks and and helping them understand kind of what the expectation is and, and taking care of, of, of the people that are you're really relying on to get back up and running is so important. And at the same time, I would say contact TML, contact other cities, certainly what we did, reaching out to your friends, your network. You'd be surprised at how many people have gone through something similar, whether it's in a city or, or through some other experience, and they are resources. And I don't know, there's a long list of people that if I was on the stage at the Academy Awards, I would have to thank for getting us through it. But certainly, no, you're not alone. Let me say this in response to all your top five and your description of your attack. You and I met uh, quite a while ago as, as part of kind of the lobby uh, efforts of the larger cities. And when I worked at TML and I was always impressed with the knowledge and information that you had then and, and, and what you did for the city of Denton at that time. And I'm just so proud of what you've done here. Just hearing the story, just again, it gives me chills every time I hear about it. And it's just so cool that you were able to step up and and help all the other folks there get through this just horrible event. So I, I'm so glad that the city of Tomball had you, and uh, I'm so glad that you took a few minutes to visit with us about this. I think it's really important that we get this information out. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. I, I want to say thank you to the Ripple. You guys were tremendous during our experience. I also shout out to all of our employees, our city council, our board. Our whole community really came together, and if if I'm successful, it's because everyone around me is. So I'm I'm, I'm very appreciative and completely humbled to get to share our story, and hopefully prevent other communities from having to go through this. Okay, we usually wrap up with a few action items as your takeaways, but Jessica's top five things a city manager should know basically are those takeaways from this episode. So all I want to do before we wrap up is let you know that the risk pool is here to help you. If you have cyber coverage with us, we can either help you prepare for or prevent attacks. And if you happen to get hit, we can help you respond to one. In fact, we have a dedicated staff member, Ryan Burns, who's our cyber risk services manager, who can help you. And I brought Ryan in for him to just barely touch on all the things that we have to offer. So, Ryan, tell us what what we can do to help a member prevent an attack. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Scott. We've got um, several things that we can do to help a member not only prepare to try to avoid uh, a cyber incident, but also respond to a cyber incident if one were to occur. But some of the things that we offer is just, you know, general review of their cyber coverage uh, to look for their exposures to make sure that they're adequately covered uh, from the insurance perspective. We also have uh, tons and tons of sample policies and procedures that we can offer that a member can take and use to create their own policies that might fit their best business practices and needs. We also can just consult on overall cybersecurity best practices, just give you a uh, third-party look at some of the things that you're doing so we can help 
determine how you might be able to shore up your cybersecurity posture. We also have a couple of different tools that we can apply. Uh, one is a cyber assessment where we look at your overall cybersecurity program, do a quick scan of your system and kind of identify some issues that might need to be addressed or worked on. And then we also can conduct simulated phishing exercises for your employees. We're still starting to see phishing being the primary cause of most of our losses. And we can test your employees just to make sure that they are applying a high level of scrutiny to those emails that they get. That's awesome. I, I appreciate you so much, Ryan. And, and I think it's very important that the pool has a dedicated person to help our members with this. If you've listened to this whole podcast and you've heard the horrific story that Jessica told, now is the time to start working on your cyber program. And like Ryan mentioned, he can help you. So that's all we've got for today. Please reach out to Ryan. He can help you. And then also, if you do get hit by a cyber criminal, call us first. We can bring resources to bear that can help you immediately. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening and we'll talk again soon. To review written materials associated with the presentation or to ask Scott a question, please visit www.tmlirp.org and click on the Stronger Together podcast link. Please remember that the information in this episode is provided for informational purposes only and doesn't constitute legal advice. We recommend that you review the podcast and the accompanying written materials with your attorney prior to taking action.